House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin, he's Jason, houseofrun at gmail.com. This is the Boston preview recap. It's the recap. It's not the preview. I'm all disoriented, Jason. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I mean, I'm pretty disoriented, but you were actually you were actually there. So that had to be even even more confusing, I guess. In a way, yes. I think what I meant to say was Boston review, London preview. But yeah, okay. let, let's be honest. We're going to spend the majority of the show on the Boston Marathon. An American woman won, Jason. So what did you go do on Tuesday? Uh, I went to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I just do. really wanted to celebrate Des Linden winning the Boston Marathon. Uh, yeah. So I did go to Disneyland on Tuesday just because uh, me and the wife had planned to do that. And uh, so that's why that's why we could not do the emergency pod. So I am, I am to blame for that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this went. I mean, this race was obviously. I mean, the weather first and foremost, I suppose. Uh, but Linden, I, I guess, like if you would have told me like the exact weather conditions, like I wouldn't have said like, oh, then I would have obviously picked the winners. But like, it would have obviously changed things drastically. Right. And and Lin, like Linden coming out on top in a race like that, like makes makes some sense, doesn't it? It makes sense in the same way Meb winning after the terrorist attacks just made right. sense. Like you didn't, no one really predicted it, but then once it happened, it like fit in perfectly with <clears throat> the existing narratives that, that exist. The way I have come to think of the 2018 Boston Marathon is we always say before we give predictions or even when we're just previewing a race, we always say marathons are unpredictable. Right, we always yes. just kind of use that as like a disclaimer, and then when it's a championship-style marathon—New York, Boston, World Championships, Olympics—then we say these marathons are really unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So those are the two levels. You take about fifty-two more levels down, and you—that <laughs> was this weather. That was the wrench that was thrown into everybody's race on Monday, and everybody's predictions we talked about it last time on the show we said the weather's gonna be bad there's gonna be a headwind but i'll tell you i was there i've never seen weather for any event that i've been at less desirable just right. in the in the moments i was outside when i got there on monday or sorry sunday it was snowing literally mm. literally snowing when i walked outside to to get in a car to go to where i was staying like that was my first introduction to to the Boston weather. The morning of the race, I woke up. The wind was howling. I was staying downtown, so you're blocked from the wind because of tall buildings. And I'm like, oh, okay, well it's a little chilly, but it should warm up. Took one step outside the building, <laughs> proceeded to get blown into a hot dog cart. I mean, it was just <laughs> immediate, and that was before the rain started. But when I left the race at about six p.m. 6.30. In the 10 minutes it took, by the way, shout out to my son if you guys are hearing 
I should mention, I'm recording this from his room because he's commanded the second bedroom now. He, wa- mm. he wants the bigger bed. So I'm recording basically in a two-and-a-half-year-old's room slash nursery because my daughter uses this too as the changing table. So I have an impromptu setup here. I do not have the luxurious studio, and he's still somehow managing to make his presence felt. But as I was saying, Jason, as I was walking – I'm continuing my plan of talking 80% of the time on this show, by the way. <laughs> when I was wa- that's, the way I, that's the way we both prefer it, so I'm good. No, I'm, I'm out after this. It's just a bunch of mm-hmm's and that's rights after this. Walking, no, that's me. Walking back at 6, it 10-minute walk, it, I might as well have been in the shower. Completely soaked. <laughs> my backpack was soaked through. I was worried that the electronics and this beautiful mic that I'm now speaking to you on would have been ruined. Uh, I, brought, I had my passport with me as a form of ID because I didn't have my – I don't know, my – driver's license from texas yet it, it mm. like got wet like my bag completely soaked through on like a 10 minute walk mind you all the bat the the pockets were all zipped up i mean it was it was that wet and seeing the runners come in not just the elite runners but all the runners who walked into the hotel where the media center was just seeing mm. their faces it was incredible i talked to meb after the race he looked so cold he ran three hours right so it's not like he was just out there walking like he ran three hours and he looked like he had seen a ghost and the ghost was made of ice and the ghost wrapped his or her arms around Meb. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was so, so bad. So you get the result that you got, but even then, I mean, how would you describe, you're looking at these, these results, right? You're looking at these top 15s. How do you describe these top 15s in the men and the women's race? Yeah, you, it's, it's so absurd. I mean, obviously, you, first thing you see is like, wow, these times were very slow. Like, you know, two fifteen, tactical, almost two sixteen for the for the for the men, two forty basically for the women. Um, I mean, Lyndon runs two thirty nine fifty four and wins by four and a half minutes. Um, it, and just how quickly it unraveled because as as bad as the weather was and it was slow for the first half yeah. plus of the race, it was like okay, it's still like the Boston Marathon. Like the race is still going basically how you'd expect, but just a slightly slower version. And I'm sure they're miserable because obviously they're miserable, but yeah. it seemed normal. And then in, it, it, I, I don't even know exactly when it happened, but all of a sudden, you know, races were basically like cinched. Like Jeffrey Crewy was for sure going to win the race and like different things. And then just chaos. And like De- Des Linden starts pulling away and I see that she's winning. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, the one, uh, you know, of the, of the, I guess, big four women's U S runners who I said couldn't win is going to win. Yeah. But, but I was, but I was thrilled. You know, you gotta love Des Linden. So I was happy about that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like what's the other, you know, top five shaking out. And then Sarah Sellers comes through in second and they're like, and second place. And I'm like, oh, they mean the second American. Like this is like the seventh place runner, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know who Sarah Sellers is. So this is, this can't be who I'm thinking of. And no, yeah, she finished second. And then Krista Duchene from, from Canada, Rachel Highland and Jessica Chester. Yep. Who didn't even run in the elite field. Correct. Rounds out your top five. Bib like, number I, I, 2094. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's just completely absurd um i mean I, I guess you know obviously there's way more americans than any other country so you'd expect if the ultimate amount of chaos happens in a race like just sheer numbers is going to prevail 
And right. I guess that's what happens with, with the U.S. there. Um, but still, you, I mean, there's no way you would have said six of the top seven were Americans, and Shalane Flanagan was that number six. Yeah. She's looking at this. I got seventh, and <laughs> the sixth American? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't... Like, oh, cool. I beat Ed the Kibblegott, and like... In any other Kenyan, East African, anything, they all dropped and, out. Yeah, and I finished seventh. Like, I mean, it's just obviously. I mean, for <clears throat> the pro runners, it's you know, it, it's just complete chaos. But you know, hey, it's the the job. It's what you got to do. But I mean, like for other people too. I just you know, thinking about some of the listeners and just the people who qualify for Boston, especially like people who qualified for the first time. And like Boston's a huge deal. Yeah. Like it's the, if you qualify for Boston and you're running for the first time, like that's like a huge, like bucket list running type moment for sure. And then this is the day you get is just absolutely brutal. I'm looking at the live, like mile by mile thing. I was writing for flow track just because mm-hmm. you brought up a, a good point about just like how immediately it changed. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, Daska runs Mamitu Daska, who was, who was up front. Um, I, on mile 18, I wrote, it looks like Daska's lead is holding steady at about 20 seconds as she takes off her gloves and runs a 608 mile. No sign of the others at this point. Daska's 30K split is 152.32. Chasir is 152.56. And Lennon is 152.57. Huddle, uh, Yoshitomi, and Kiplagat are running 4.56. Uh, Flanagan is an eighth with the time of 153.52. Then the next mile, Daska runs 5.56 and has a lead of 17 seconds. Mile 20, Daska passes 20 miles in 2 hours 57. Chasir is only 17 seconds behind. Lennon is 8 seconds behind. Then mile 21, Chasir passes Daska and Lennon is lurking. Mile 22, Lennon in front. <laughs> I mean, within, with, and then everybody just, like those names, Chasir, Daska, were gone. So it's not just that they didn't mount a challenge back to Lennon. They were gone. Like ev- other than Edna Kiplagat on the women's field, every single elite East African dropped out. And I know that there's yeah. always going to be attrition over the, like from 30K on, but this was really pronounced. I think at a certain point they just said, this is too cold. I'm getting out of here. One, I don't know exactly who, who they were an agent for, but one agent or someone who works for agent was uh, explaining as the, the runners were kind of coming in after the race, he was saying, if you want to get warm, the best thing to do would have been to finish. Like it didn't make any sense to drop out at 35 K, not just from a financial standpoint, or I, I mean, I don't know how deep the prize money went, but like mm. he was saying maybe some of the Americans stuck in just because they knew that the best way to get dry, which is to run it in. Because if you stop, right. you, if you stop, you got to wait for someone to pick, you got to wait for the van to pick you up. And the van doesn't have warm clothes. And the biggest thing was getting the wet clothes off of you. And a lot right. of these runners, they, you know, they talked about Rupp and Flanagan getting treated for, for hypothermic uh, symptoms. The best thing to do would be to get the wet clothes off. And if you're walking at 30 K and or 35 K and then waiting for, the van to come and get you, it's going to be a while before you can get change. Whereas if you just run it through, then you can get um, to the finish. But yeah, it just it just escalated so quickly um, on both those sides. Do we want to talk about, I don't know, the more of the breakdown of the women's race? I mean, it was just bizarre from, the, from basically the halfway point on when Flanagan stops to go to the bathroom and Lyndon waits. Yeah, yeah, which, I, I, yeah, Flanagan has to stop, which... You know, you don't necessarily expect to happen. Um, and the fact, yeah, that Lyndon waits and it doesn't, you know, I think it 
it, it was only a matter of, you know, a, a short amount of time, but you still think like, Hey, this is still the Boston marathon. These are two runners who, you know, both had a chance to finish top five or apparently win, uh, in this yeah. case. Um, so that's, that's just great. Yeah. But I mean, I just don't even know how else to, to approach it. I mean, everybody, you know, it, it's one of those races, Lyndon gets all the credit in the world because she had like, she paid every bit to, to, to win this. Like right. it's not, it's, you know, somebody like, Oh, like she probably won because of the weather. And like, yeah, you can make that argument either way. Um, but if like, that's the case, like, okay, she, she had like what, probably one of the most brutal wins ever. And I'm sure she would take it a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's just, it's just so crazy. Like, you know, like I said, it was, yeah, going through your, your recap here, it, it's, it made a lot of sense. And even, you know, like, oh, okay, Huddle's not doing as well, but, and you expect like, hey, a lot could happen in the second half of this race or the last 10K right. of this race. Right. But just, you don't expect literally everyone just to complain. I mean, every runner we talked about like in depth last week, like no, I mean, I mean, Lyndon, you know, we, we obviously brought up, but and then you have Flanagan seven, Kipple got nine, and that's it for the top 15 as far as like runners we like broke down like oh okay these are you know runners who have a chance to win everything like that and it was just well they just just stopped completely i mean yeah yeah, either either the elites dropped out because in their zest to try to win the race right it just wore so much out of them with the conditions that they couldn't Mm -hmm. or they just made a cost-benefit analysis at some point and like especially once i mean daska started walking so I, i guess at that point it, if you can get in an Uber, then you get in an Uber and go home because if you're going to be out of the, the the prize money and maybe you can run another race at some point. People are talking about, well, who's in, are there any of these guys going to come and run in London? I don't think that's going to be the case because just being in the conditions is going <coughs> to, excuse me, is going to take some time to recover from. But I, part of me thinks the whole Linden thinking she was going to drop out thing that she mentioned it i noticed that mile six or seven when they talked to each other mm-hmm. and that was supposedly like the first time she mentioned it like oh i'm not feeling good so if you need my help let me know which again kind of goes into this whole meb thing this mythology like right meb, meb never just won a race right there was always a story that accompanied it and this is like the same thing so you know maybe the idea of like hey i'm having a horrible day it's horrible out i'll just help some people kind of it took like the pressure off right of like hey how ridiculous oh look i'm gonna slow down and shalane needs someone to run with after she gets out of the bathroom i'll run with her and then within what was it i mean four miles after that everybody just started falling off and Lyndon was in third and then she said well at that point i might as well keep going so then all she had to do was not screw up at that point right i mean just keep going just keep going which in those conditions was no small task but it's almost like she just kind of stumbled backwards into it. Yeah. No, she, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just kind of like plodding along, like, okay, I guess I'll just do what I can to get this, get this over with, get done with it. And yeah, before, before you know it, like everybody, I mean, obviously everybody else is having just as miserable day, uh, a day as she is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just, like I said, I mean, Lyndon in this race makes some sense because she is, just such a rock and like you it's 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 hard to picture really anything like getting her to like drop out of a race or like just completely fall apart um you know it's it's, i I think we both were talking about she didn't have 
she didn't have that ceiling of you know huddle or Jose who you know didn't end up starting the race that happened right oh, yeah. after we recorded last week um and or you know Flanagan obviously who you know coming off the New York win uh it was just like no Lyndon's gonna run her race no matter what like she's just gonna do her thing regardless of what everybody else does and yeah it pretty much just I mean it, this is well, the but she kind of didn't do that right I mean in the, in the whole like hey I'm just gonna help you out thing that's true yeah I just I thought it was strange that she thought she was actually going to drop. I mean, she look at her resume. She doesn't really drop out of races. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those. I mean, I guess this is like you said, the, the worst, you know, uh, live sporting event you've ever seen as far as weather and, and everything. But yeah, it's or even been to, I mean, I've never, even in high school and college and just anything, it just never it is never this bad. Usually when I watch a race, I'm like, man, I kind of like, at least at the end, I want to get out there. Yeah, this no desire. No, zero. I didn't want to stand out there for two minutes. It was, it was that bad. Other other women's uh, race highlights. Well, I guess let's just let's go through the the American women here of those of the big four, and well, big three. Uh, I guess we'll talk about kind of what's next. Huddle ran two fifty. She was outside of the top fifteen. She had to get a root canal the next day, so hopefully she's re- recovering well. That's a rough two-day combo. Yeah, one for- thing that's, <laughs> I mean, literally like dental surgery and this rate, like that's, that's like two things that just had no desire to, to even, yeah. But at least you have anesthesia with a dental procedure. This, that's true. This you couldn't. Uh, I mean, what do you think for Huddle going forward? I mean, I think this obviously this race you just have to throw out entirely. I mean, it, also if you would have told me this kind of weather was happening, I would have said Huddle. I, I would have picked, I would have doubled down on my huddle for the win. Like mm-hmm. I would have felt really good about it just because, you know, she's a badass and like, just, I would have thought this, this would have done well for her. But I mean, with a race this crazy, the weather this crazy, I, I think you just kind of get rid of it altogether. Um, it probably doesn't make you crazy about wanting to run the marathon again, but at least nope. pretty much every time, everyone you run from now on will just be like, oh, well it won't be, it won't be like Boston 2018. So can't be that bad it's not a gale so i'll be okay right how about shalane flanagan as you mentioned before she's the seventh place finisher 246 throughout that result although she had spoken before new york city about retirement before she won there were some quotes from her in this race after this race about her uh saying it would be her last boston i i don't see her going out like this in boston just don't see it. I'm gonna say it now. Right? Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, how many times throughout that race did she think, like, man, I really should have retired after I won New York? <laughs> like, like that had to like enter her mind a couple times. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I guess you know, if she says the last Boston. I, I yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if she came back. Um, I certainly don't think she'll retire on this note. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I could understand not wanting to run some more after this race, but I think. Uh, you know, I think we'll see her a few more times, and you know, if she, I mean, may, maybe she doesn't run Boston, but I, I'd be surprised if, if this is if this is it for for sure. Well, I think, I think she'll go back to New York. Yeah, fall. defend there, and and then I think once she does that, I think because look, I don't think she'll say, "Oh, hey, I want to go win." Bo-. I mean, she'll want to win Boston, yes, but anything I think is a better note to end on than than this. Right, and, it, and again, it's it's a result you throw out just because the weather and how. Oh yeah, you, you don't take anything from it. It's just 
yeah, you can't do a whole lot, a yeah. whole lot with it. Yeah, and and anything's going to be um, a bonus if you do it uh, next year. What about Lyndon? She said she wants to go through twenty twenty. She was not on a lot of people's lists when we started forecasting who's going to be in the on the Olympic marathon team in twenty twenty. I think yeah. a lot of people had penciled in Hase and Huddle, and then okay, who's going to be the next one? But does this put her back into that equation? I mean, I think she, you know it's she has to be in that conversation. I mean, she should have been in the conversation before. She, I, you know, I, I will fully admit to you know taking her for granted, underrating her, whatever you want to call it. Um, she's just always like I said, it was you're you're, you're mesmerized by the higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletes and hey, she just won Boston, so there's for your high ceiling. Um, but yeah, if she's gonna run through 2020, uh, I mean, you still have to expect something good from her. I mean, I, this it's where this result I, doesn't like change my opinion about her that much. Okay. Like she's still she she was you know a very good marathoner who had you know she finished second here seven years ago. Like it's insanely impressive that she. She won this race. Um, that was just a complete mess. Uh, but like she's, you know, she's, she's always going to be solid. And uh, you know, if she kept up, basically what she's been for the past, you know, three or four years for another two, like I guess you know that wouldn't be particularly surprising. Uh, I don't expect her to take some leap forward. Like, would you consider this a leap forward? Like of what she did. Obviously, it's a you know a career milestone and like the biggest win you know she's ever had kind of thing but but i I don't know if i like think like oh she stepped up to a level she's never been before no i think this is who she always was yeah it's just you had a race that matched her strengths and i'm sure there's been races that she's had in the past where the result was less than she was prepared for like like things in the line and this was kind of the opposite of that, right? Right. This was everything aligning. And one thing she's said over and over again is you just keep showing up, you keep showing up, and eventually you're going to get it. And that's yeah. and that's exactly what happened. But anybody who says, like, Lyndon's – Lyndon no way is top three when they do the Olympic trials in less than 24 months, like 21 months now, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that far away. It's less than two years. Anybody who says, oh, yeah, there's no way she can finish in the top three – is lying to themselves. I mean, no, you're not going to get anybody to say that, especially on the record. No one's like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> hey, so Linda, the one, the one who just won Boston. Yeah, I don't think she, I don't think she can finish the top three. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, she wasn't in my, you know, oh, yes, me, we go like wouldn't have been in my top three just because there is a lot of young, mm-hmm. really good marathon talent right now. Um, it, she's she's certainly on that list of however many uh, women you want to put on there. Um, but it's the list is constantly getting longer. But yeah, I mean, you can't be surprised if she ends up making that team. Uh, at the same time, like two years away, like I can't be shocked if she doesn't. Like I, th- I expect her to run well. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, you, you, you know, could. Who knows? Well, yeah, you could have Jose, Huddle, Crag, you know, Emily Sisson, Laura Thweet. You could have, you know, maybe Emily Enfeld decides to run a marathon. There's others who could be out there, but. Sellers, Highland, Chichester, DeMarcio. <laughs> Who's your favorite of that group of the two through five? Well, what's it's, your favorite story there? Yeah, I mean, it's they're all like such kind of ridiculous. Like, we got 
like five Kurt Warner stories in the same race, which is like I don't know if that like you're allowed to have that many. It was a surplus of feel good stories. It was a yeah, surplus which is, of I mean, bag hey, and grocery stories. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like I mean, you know, Sarah Sellers, you know, was I think had run like her PR was like two forty four, and she basically ran that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's a nursing student. What paid her own entry fee? Like all all like those storylines which are fantastic like i'm not trying to t- take anything away from but it's just like oh that's crazy and that it, and if you know the rest of the top five looked like linden flanagan kiplagat that kind of thing and like sellers was in there you'd be like this is the most insane thing but then you look at third oh and you have a 41 year old canadian yeah um who you know like mother of 28 th- like se- seven or eight years ago yeah, mo- uh, mother of three, Dushan. I just want to add this, mother of three. But the interesting thing was her goal coming into the race: top three in the Masters division. <laughs> That's yeah, what she said. I, yeah, yeah. I hope I get top three in the Masters division. Oh, I guess I finished third. Like she said, yeah. Like I think she wanted to break two forty or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. That that worked out. Well, Sellers um, wanted an Olympic trials qualifier and didn't get it, but finished second in the race. <laughs> right. What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, then you just, you know, you have, yeah, you have Highland, who, or I think she was the one who I saw the quote, I, I hope for sub 240. Mm-hmm. But then you, you end up finishing fourth. You can't really, really obviously be upset about that. Right. Um, and then you have, you know, Je- Jessica Chichester, who's fifth, but not, but didn't, you know, didn't start the same time mm-hmm. as the, the woman elite, so doesn't get the, doesn't get the prize money, um, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. I kind of, I mean, I understand it. Um, I hope Boston gives her something. Like, even if it's not like, I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess $15,000 is fifth place money. I don't know. Like, find a way to give her something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But like, you know, she finishes top five. Like, you could, you could do something cool for her. Right. Um, and it's just like these, just story after story where you're just like, that's absolutely crazy. And, and, you know, a lot of these women, their PRs, or at least their, P, you know, what they've run lately have been like 240 plus. And mm-hmm. then they run two forty four in this weather, uh, so yeah, I don't even know. I, I, I guess I don't. I'm not sure if I have a if I have a favorite. Do you have Do you have one that sticks out? Because they all just seem like they're. I mean, they're in the same world, which is which is fantastic. No, I don't have a favorite. It was just funny when they brought Sellers and Duchene in for the press conference because they had the top three people in. Mm-hmm. Lyndon had a separate one with Kauchi, but they were like, "Tell us about yourselves," and they both just like gave their brief bio. And, like, you could see the people in the room. Like, the stories were just, like, writing themselves. Like, oh, yeah. I'm a 41-year-old mother of three <laughs> from Canada who grew up playing hockey. And da, da, da. and then tell her, I paid my own way into the race. And I was hurt in college. This is my second marathon ever. And I can't believe I'm here. This is the craziest <laughs> thing in my life. Like, I'm going to pay back student loan debt. It was – I hadn't heard anybody explain it as well as you did when you said there's four Kurt Warner stories in the same <laughs> race. And Sellers is getting, like, a lot of publicity because – she was the first in that group. Yeah. But I, mean, but I mean, it really could have been any of them because. Oh, absolutely. Sellers, Duchene, and Highland were only separated by 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess uh, it, it pays to, to win out of that group. But it would have been interesting, as you mentioned, if it was Kiplagat, Daska, Linda. Like it was the. She finished really among the elites. Right. But. Yeah, I mean, not to say, hey, you finished second. Like, you 
got on the line. With, oh, it would have been a bigger deal even. I mean, as impressive as oh, it is. Oh, maybe, un- unquestionably, yeah. I mean, that, that would have been even that much more. But, like, yeah, if you're Sarah Sellers, like, you go in, like I said, you're hoping for, yeah, okay, I hope I can qualify for Olympic trials and mm-hmm. whatnot, whatever. And to just end up, yeah, finishing second place, uh, it just is – it has to be so surreal. And, yeah, it would have been interesting. To, I mean, you got to see them, you know, get interviewed. I mean, they – even in their wildest dreams, I'm sure they had no aspirations of being on the, you know, up there being interviewed because of their, like, I, I mean, it probably didn't have a lot yeah. of uh, PR training and whatnot. Uh, so that's, it's, it's, it's uh, I love those stories. And I, like I said, it just is so crazy to have that many of them together. Yeah, it was complete shock. I mean, they were shocked during the race because they were passing Flanagan and Huddle. And I wonder how uh, Jessica Chichester felt when, you know, she crossed the line. 30 minutes later because she was in a different wave, but then to find out later on, Oh, I was, I was fastest. I was fifth overall. And I, I beat, I beat Shalane by a minute. Cool. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, that's just, it was, (laughs) I thought it was an error message when it came up and someone said behind me, who's Sarah Sellers? She got second. And I almost turned around and said, no, no, that's the American only board. That's exactly, I mean, exactly what I thought. Yeah. And then I felt glad that I didn't say that when I found out that that was real and everybody else just, I mean, a four minute gap from, from Lyndon to Sellers. I yeah. guess I was, I was so preoccupied with, you know, that and then the men, the men's race and like that, that I didn't even really pay attention. Then when I put my head up, I thought, holy cow, <laughs> how, how did this, how did this whole thing happen? Um, should we talk about the men's race? I think we should. I mean, this is this is another one that I mean, Yuki, who we we love. I mean, he is a he's a favorite on this show without question. Um, again, if you would have said, "Hey, the worst conditions possible you can think of for a marathon," like Kauji, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have picked him to win because we just wouldn't have. But like, it's another one that makes more sense in retrospect. Yeah, and. Uh, couldn't I mean couldn't be happier for the guy because like the dude I mean he just he, like was he preparing like did he have prescient knowledge about Boston is that why he ran that what was it Antarctica Marathon or whatever it was uh, well it was in Massachusetts yeah <laughs> I mean you're talking about the one on New Year's Day when it was one degree when he started one degree yeah basically yeah, that, I mean he was like I know what Boston's gonna be this year I am I'm prepping well I think he just runs so many races that he's prepared for literally in the situation. <laughs> And he can race in any condition because it's impossible to get good weather in all those races. So yeah. he's going to have terrible weather. It just so happened that the one in Massachusetts was the one that was one degree. And uh, yeah, this one, like the women's race, just all kind of fell apart. At the It looked like it was going to form. I mean mm-hmm. – there was a while there when Daska was leading the women's race and Kirui was winning the men's race. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be like the least interesting <laughs> possible outcome. Like, how did this happen? Like, this is so weird. And Kirui lasted a lot longer. But it wasn't until, I mean, with, you know, two, three miles to go when the lead started evaporating. And it happened really dramatically in those last two miles i guess it was mile 23 he ran a 519 i think Mm -hmm. and that's when it started to 
close. And then mile 24, he ran 531. Um, but I mean, part of this happened in the same way the women's race happened. I mean, part of it wasn't just, oh, the leader melted down and the chaser ran really well. It was also that everybody in between just disappeared. Uh, I mean, Rupp, Rupp dropped out. Um, all the East Africans except for Karui and I think Steven Sambo dropped out. Um, yeah. Abdi Nagui stayed in, but I mean, he's from the Netherlands. He represents the Netherlands. So, again, you had a, a top 15 that is primarily American. And, I mean, Yuki's a bigger upset than Linden. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, in... I mean, at the same time, you go Yuki. Like he's run, you know, two hundred eight. Right. Of, like, he's broken two ten, you know, a ton of times. It was just okay. Karui and Rupp are in there, like, and you know, neither of us even put Yuki for top five. So um, that maybe that you know that that could have been closer. But yeah, it, it's still yeah. I mean, Linden slightly. I would say slightly less. But uh, I mean, Yuki could just you know what did he do? I mean, the first mile. He ran in four thirty seven. Like, what was yeah. so, the craziest thing? Ever? I don't know what the logic is there at all. So, I got a story coming out. Hopefully, I have a story coming out on this on Flowtrack. On what's tomorrow? Thursday. Thursday. Yes. That was by design. I mean, he said it. His manager said it. Like, he wanted to make people run the whole distance, and he wanted to like shrink the field early so he could see who was there. And when he surged at 12 and when he surged at 15, that was also like kind of that was more in like just what he described as like the rhythm of the race. Like other people were slowing down mm-hmm. and he just he just felt good. So he extended it. But that wasn't just like a random I'm going to run a 437 and then like call it a day. Um, his manager, who was also his translator over the weekend, told me that he said to Yuki the morning of the race, he goes, this is the day you were born for, right? Because the weather was that. Like, they they knew he actually had a chance. Right. Because I said, hey, did you really think this was possible? And they're like, oh, yeah. 100% they thought it was possible because of what the conditions were. Like, they thought that they could do it. And like you said, 208 guy. I mean, we get caught up in the 212s and the 213s that he runs. And you always like to say, man, I wonder what he, how, what he could run if he was just fresh. Or right. if he only ran one marathon or two, you know, if he only ran two or three marathons a year or even six marathons a year. <laughs> right. But yeah, you, you kind of get distracted by those things and forget, okay, 208 guy winning isn't that, isn't that far-fetched. It's a Meb, but, Meb-like performance pretty much, right? Right. So you combine that with the weather being awful and you have this guy who's like indestructible and <laughs> yeah, invincible. Yeah, his body regenerates just, like faster than anybody else's. And just loves to run. I kind of understood the confidence at first. I thought, "Oh, really? That that's that's how you felt?" But he literally told him, "This is the uh, this is the day you were born for." And he, I th- I mean, I I think just having that sort of that sort of mentality, I, in a way, is almost the opposite of Lyndon, right? Like he goes in thinking, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it," where she goes in thinking, "Maybe this isn't my day." Right. Just help out other people. Like two very different psychological approaches. Yeah, um, and I, I didn't really. I guess I didn't really think about. It. I mean, it's and I, I won't even pretend like I, I would have thought about it or come up with it. But with the weather, with Yuki, 
the I mean, yeah, front end four thirty seven, four fifty one, like out front, like that's brilliant. Like it, I mean, I know it works, so it's easy to say it's brilliant now, but like just the kind of runner he is, like mm-hmm. like Kau- like I don't know what it would take for Yuki Kauchi to not finish a marathon. Like I don't think the, I think that's like the sign of the apocalypse or something if if he doesn't finish. Like, we're all <laughs> we're all done. But like, okay, this is going to be the absolute most brutal race that any of these competitors have ever run. Like just that's the way it's going to be because of the weather. Um, we have a guy who's except basically indestructible. Okay. Let's run out crazy, get everyone off their game who thought we were going to go out in five ten and mm-hmm. like ease through the first half and make it, make it just complete chaos and bet on your guy. Who's most likely to stick it out. Like even after seeing him do that in the beginning, like I didn't really think about it until you mentioned, you know, it was. I, I mean, I, I assumed it was part of the plan because it just, you just don't decide to run four thirty seven. But right. I, I didn't get the logic of it until you were really talking about, you know, talking with his manager. And I mean, that really is. It, I, you know, it's obviously it's going to bury you on a good day. You know, a, a nice weather day. Like you're you're just going to end up right crushed probably by by guys who can run two hundred four. But on this kind of day, it, it, I mean, it really, really, wow. That's that's that's. I love it. Guys, this is the first time Jason has ever applauded a, a a positive split strategy. Yeah, I think I mean like I yeah, and maybe you know it's I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like I didn't I I should have I guess given it more thought or or something, but because uh, I was originally just like that's really weird. Like doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it it makes complete sense. And it I mean like I said it's easier to say it's brilliant when it works, but hey, it did. Well, even if he didn't, even if Karui didn't melt down. Kawichi was a strong second in that point. And he'd yeah, say, yeah, hey, which would have hey, been great. He, yeah, he did what he could. He's not going to be Jeffrey Curry. Jeffrey Curry's in, in a class of his own. I'd like to ask about the the 2017 champ, though, here, Karui. 218-23, uh, just started jogging. I mean, he was jogging it in. Just looked like he had no control over his body, really. Right. Um, is he done? Is that the last <laughs> we're going to hear from him? <laughs> Definitely. That's... You know, it's, yeah, finished his second. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, his, And you can't know how your body's going to react to that. I guess if you're a Kauchi, you do, because you ran in somehow maybe worse conditions than this or yeah, equally bad conditions as this. But, like, just about everybody else, you don't know how your body's going to react. And if you're Karui, you go, hey, I'm the class of the field. Like, right. Rupp and I, you know, and I'm out here running alone. Like, you just... He was, and he looked like the sure way. I mean, people were basically congratulating. I mean, he was over a minute ahead with you know yeah. three, four plus miles to go. Yeah. Um, so it looked it looked over, and then I mean, he just I can't you know you can't even get on the guy like on a race like this because you just your body all of a sudden just like can't handle it. And how would you know what it could handle in in a day like this? Yeah, I wonder even if you took out the. Because we've seen like meltdown; those meltdowns are a lot more common than the meltdowns we saw on the women's side. Yeah, right. remember that one year in London when like the lead kept changing because like everybody like Biwa and like Kabete like kept surging and then just like falling off and then mm-hmm. like maybe I'm sure a lot of it was weather assisted, but I, it would be interesting to see uh, if the weather was good if he just kind of had like a horrible rough patch and then maybe in better weather. He would have fallen apart, but then there would he would have been he would have fallen to like sixth instead of second in Kawuchi would have been like third instead of first. Right. Yeah, that's I mean it's a good point. It's it's there's so yeah, many variables. It's it's hard to know because yeah, there could be 
some of these runners, you go, well, they ran in the worst weather ever, and that's why they did it. And it's like that that those same runners could have just DNF'd on a perfect day, and True. it just wasn't. You know, like it wasn't in them that day. We obviously don't know who, you know, who's who in that scenario. But uh, yeah, I mean, give you know credit to Karui, the you know co-favorite or whatever, and finishes second. Like he he was as close to his finishing point, like expected finishing point as any runner in either race. <laughs> That's true. Shadrack Biwak gets third. I had him, I thought he was in top five. So I wasn't uh, too far off with Shadrack Biwak because the Americans went three, four, five, six. Tyler Pinnell was fourth. Andrew Bumbleo was fifth. Scott Smith was sixth. And then it was Nagui of uh, Netherlands, seventh. Cabet uh, eight. Cool set, ninth. And then Daniel Vassalo, of the United States was 10th. And I guess he, in any other year, right? Because we had heard of all those other Americans before. Yeah. We didn't we didn't necessarily think they'd finish as high as they did, but we, we had heard of all those other ones. We we probably weren't familiar with Daniel Vasallo or Daniel Daly or Matthew Herzig, who finished 10, 11, 12, or Benjamin Zawicki, who finished 13th. In any other year, they would have been like the Sarah Sellers right. uh, story. But instead, they're like nine spots below being the most uh, surprising finish. And it we're just tough. taking 10 minutes off everybody's finishing time, right? Because, like, I'm counting, I'm counting three guys under 210 <laughs> for the U.S., so I just think that's, that's good. <laughs> well, I think you should, yeah, you picked uh, – well, you know what I was doing at the beginning of the year? I was calculating – I wrote the article about, like, U.S. women's marathon resurgence, the, you know. And one of the things I was using to measure it was, like, Number of, I think it was like number of, I was using times and places, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I was using a uh, number of times in the top 60 at the end of the year, which is pretty hard to get in. Like, right. you know, all the, all the marathons. And the other thing was a uh, number of top five finishes in major marathons. <laughs> and before this year, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this up right now, but in this one, you had four races. Yeah. That's four, or four, sorry, four, four runners. Who are there? And I'm going to pull up the list. Um, I'm going to try to track down the article here to look at what – because we're already past the high for the year. Um, oh, sorry, high for the last 10 years. Oh, nice. I, I went back – well, I went back and counted since 2008. I'll, I'll pull it up right here. Here we go. So, no – okay, so no, top five finishes at World Marathon Majors by an American – woman so the highest since 2008 right the mm-hmm. highest number was actually last year five american women finished top uh five at, at, at a major all the majors so that's berlin london new york tokyo etc world champs olympics five so four came in this one race nice and then that's... you combine that with amy craig and they're already at five <sighs> Yeah, three men too. So I, that's yeah, it's a good uh, good start. Yeah, not great for the the top forty times or whatever top sixty. What did you say? I don't even forget. But uh, top sixty. So the highest that they've ever got on that is two, and they already have one. Well, they're probably gonna have one this year because Craig's uh, two twenty one is definitely gonna hold up to be a top sixty time. So as that's... long as they get two more, which I mean they could get one this weekend in London probably or maybe. From uh, who was running for the U.S.? Stephanie Bruce, Becky Wade. I don't know. Maybe well, or uh, Chicago. Oh, I mean, 
the top times can come they come from strange marathons sometimes it's not all just dubai so yeah it's just weird i mean that stat's gonna be kind of useless now i guess was my point (laughs) (laughs) yeah this kind of yeah changed up everything but uh man it's yeah i can't get over looking at these these results because they do not (laughs) make any sense whatsoever do you think things will go a little more to form at the London Marathon? Uh, I would expect so. I, I mean, I uh, the greatest field ever is exem- assembled. <laughs> so, I mean, that we got that going for us. Um, I hope the weather is significantly better. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess we're we're, we're capped off on on Boston uh, wrap up. Um, Yuki Des Linden. I mean, that's. Okay, it was a complete, you know, mess and not at all what we expected, but like getting those two winners out of that, that's that's pretty satisfying for for the show. I'll, I'll like happily take that. What do you think the odds like would have been to get those two winners like in Vegas? Oh, like both together? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, you had to go I mean, what was what what, what would you say Linden was pre-race? 40 to 1. Is, okay, in that range. What about Yuki? 180 to one maybe right so basically multiply those together and i mean that's pretty much oh, really? what you're looking at what if I you mean, had a parlay? what if you had absurd a, what if you had a linden sellers duchenne highland chichester <laughs> parlay <laughs> then you would own three casinos on the strip what's it what's the highest they usually go up like 999 to one is that the highest they post usually uh or have you seen like 10,000 to one too I mean, online you'll you'll get some more of those ten thousand, you know, kind of things like that. Vegas rarely gives out much more than that. I mean, as far as you know, parlays, um, you could get higher than that in parlays. Like, you know, there's certain like parlay cards that are like fifteen teams or twenty teams, and if you get them all right for five dollars, you win a million dollars or something. But um, yeah, this would be on this would be on that level. This is yeah. this oh, might. This top five might beat uh, the the women's high hurdles, none of them meddling (laughs) from a couple years ago. That was the (laughs) least likely thing that's ever happened. I'm saying a 15-team parlay is more common than that women's top five. Yeah, I I think it has to be because we – I mean, (laughs) all of these would have been off the board. Like, they wouldn't even been options. Yeah, Linden would have been on there. and then You had to go else. Linden and then Field, like everybody else, because nobody <laughs> field, else would have picked Field, these. Field, Field, and then in fifth, I'm going to take Field. <laughs> I'm going to take Field from not the elites. I'm going to yeah. take... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, somebody with a 2,000 number bib. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's completely absurd. But um, yeah, I mean, hey, it. I guess in, in, in a way, it, it lived up to the hype. In another way, you know, it's slightly disappointing we didn't get to see, like... <laughs> the you know the battle of the like american women like yeah. go at it but like we got we got something else entirely it it kind of you're right we knew something would go wrong between when we recorded and when the race and we got Hase withdrawing and then a monsoon yes i still want to see all three of them or all four of them battle again yeah i, I want them the all to make it to too. the trials that's what i want because the weather won't be that bad for the trials. I mean, there's no there's no possibility it'll be that bad for the trials. I, you would, I absolutely hope not. Yeah. London women's marathon world record. Will it go down using male pacers? I mean, it's never smart to pick a world record because they it's don't never smart that to pick Jessica Chichester, Jason. <laughs> I did. It's true, but I yeah, I'm gonna say world record goes down. Really? Yeah. Mm. 
Sorry, that's wrong. But you've got Kaitani, you got Dababa. Um, just those two alone. I mean, obviously, Toronto, Mary Dababa, Koskai, uh, Tufa. Like, I mean, you, it's deep, obviously. But those are the two I think you have to look at Kaitani and, and Terranish Dababa, just because, you know, they're both 217 marathoners. Um, I think they both, you know, could obviously push each other and they'll, they'll have the male pacers. Like, I think. Like I said, it's 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 not the smart pick. Like, it's certainly of making odds. Like, I don't expect it to happen, but I'm I'm gonna pick that it does happen. Who do you think wins? I, w- I was all ready to say Katani, but now I want to say the Babyface Destroyer. That's who I got, but I have no world record. Okay. Do you think? I mean, do they go under two seventeen? It just I don't know how long the Pacers. I need to know more about the Pacers. And like how long they're staying in? Because yes, I think well, they one's a car, it. and then we have a highlighted line that takes them. <laughs> and one's a solar car. <laughs> it's competed most recently at the Brussels Diamond League meet. <laughs> yeah, I think they can go under two seventeen. That okay. seems that seems within range. I just I'm not. I'm more confident in Dabala than I am Katani. But there's a, a lot of women on here who could. Which is absurd if you like, think, about, think about it, just because, and we're both picking <clears throat> Dababa, but like Katani is like one of the most accomplished marathoners ever. I know. I overlooked her before, uh, well, all the time. I overlooked yeah. her <laughs> last year. All the time. Constantly. Constantly happening. But even, you're right. I mean, Chirono, uh, Mari Dababa, Cosguy, Tufa, uh, there's a Bekele in here. Rose Chalimo is really fast. Vivian Chariot. You know, she's been a stud on the track. So I, I think there's a lot of of people who could run really, really fast. I think we're going to – it's supposed to be hot, but you're going to see uh, really fast times. The men the men also are going to be using male pacers. Mm, that's a twist. And this thing is – this thing's good. I mean, you're not going to see a Yuki Kawichi type story here. I don't think not with this this lineup they're rolling out there. Oh, Sam Chalanga's running for the men. That might be a guy who can get your time, a two a two ten for you. Yeah, for the, that's for the US. a decent chance. Um, yeah, I wish we had a, a slightly more, you know, slightly deeper. I guess uh, Fernando Cabada. Yeah, yeah he's thirty five, so I'm not as confident. But he's run two eleven. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, obviously you have. Yeah, I mean you have Wanjiro won last year. You have Bekele, you have Kipchoge, the greatest marathoner of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Adola, Karui, you obviously have Farah. Yeah, uh, and this is yeah, this is this is abs- I mean, they're both both sides are absolutely absurd. Like I, we make fun of the greatest field ever assembled, but then you like actually look at the fields, you're like, yeah, they're they're pretty right. Like these are these are this is one of the best fields I've ever seen. Well, and yeah, Karoki's he hasn't had a big breakthrough in, on the marathon yet, but. He could be out there. Uh, Gurme Gabriel Selassie's won New York City before, and he's kind of reduced to, to second fiddle here. So I'm waking up for this one. This is going to be this is going to be pretty good. I guess you can't pick against Iliad, right? No, I refuse to. I, okay. I mean, he's. I will pick him in every race he runs until like he he until it's like clear that he's no longer that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, this. It, it's still funny looking that Bekele has a faster PR than he does, though. I think that bothers him. Or do you think he's like, I ran 2.025? <laughs> I 
I think he thinks about it. Yeah. I, I mean, just because I would assume he's ultra competitive because he's the greatest marathoner ever. So I, I think most professional athletes like know and think about it. Like I'm not saying anything like dwells on it, but like they know and think about that stuff at least, at least just a little bit. What if we got a double world record? <clears throat> I mean, that would be awesome. I, I mean, it's, it's probably dumber for me to pick the women's world record will happen and not the men's than mm-hmm. the other way around. But like I, I, the, the women, you obviously have that X factor of the male pacers and yeah. you know, just the, what that could possibly add to, to that side. But uh, I mean, the men's, it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. I wonder how hot it's going to be on race day. It's supposed to be warm, but mm. I get if one of them is fast, I think both of them are going to be fast. Like if one gender race is fast, I think both of them are. Yeah. Because, I, because that, that means the conditions are good. Right. Right. Should yeah, be exciting. It's going to be great. I mean, I, yeah, I'm certainly looking forward. I mean, is it Boston was a lot of fun in, in its own way, uh, but I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking for, you know, Farah, what he's going to end up doing. Really looking forward to that. Um, How quickly does the British media turn on him? Well, it's going to be awesome when he finishes third and they're upset at him. Like, it's going to go Kipchoge wins and then Bekehler wins Euro second, Farah third, and they're going to be like, should Farah quit and never show his face in the UK again? <laughs> what time do you think for him? It's a good question. Uh, so if if we go, if we expect it to be fast, not not world record fast, but where the winner is, you know, I'm going to say two hundred three high. Um, wait I, for Farah? No, no, no. I think oh. that's, well, that's that's the winner. Uh, okay. I say Farah runs. He breaks two hundred six, just a little bit. Oh, that would be big. Yeah, I think I think he runs really well. I think Farah's. I mean. It shouldn't be shocking to say I think Farah's going to be really good in the marathon. Um, but, yeah, I do think he's going to be really good in the marathon. Hmm. All right. What do you have? I think he'll run. I think he'll break the British record. <clears throat> Which is what again? I can't remember that. From is the it last 207.13? Let me check it. I think it's 207.13. Okay. Uh, the UK record. Yeah. The European record, that's the one that Sandre Moen just said, is 205.48. Ooh, that's going to be close. <laughs> As I continue to cough through this episode. Um, yeah. You thought you'd get just a regular podcast once my son went to sleep. But right. I know. Hey, you also yeah. had to weather Boston, though. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. still it's catching up with everybody. <laughs> yeah. No one got out unscathed. Let's talk real quick before emails. They released the Hayward plans for yes. the renovated Hayward Field. The plans that are out there, apparently that's the, that's the stadium at 12,800. Looks like and, a lot more than 12,800. Yeah, it has a couple decks, for, and then they could expand to 30,000. I don't really understand that, but maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I'm sure folks have seen the, the pictures out there. Uh, to me, it looks just like any old European stadium, and my thoughts from previous episodes still stand. <laughs> but but you go ahead. I mean, it's. I, I mean, I agree that there's nothing particularly like unique or original about it. Like, yeah, it, it looks like things we've seen before. It does look nice, sure. Um, I'm still not. I still say like, hey, you can keep the East Grandstand and build around it, and mm-hmm. like that could still happen and you could have a cool kind of retro thing going on. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, you know, 
yeah, we've been saying that. So yeah, this certainly isn't bad. I mean, obviously there's been certainly some, some backlash towards it because yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it'll, it will be amazing and, and really, really nice, but it's, yeah, there's something to be said about keeping, keeping the character, keeping the, you know, the, the original. So it still feels like, I think you could still do it to increase the attendance and still make it feel like Hayward. We've entered the get off my lawn portion yes, we have. of our lives. Jason. Old man I, yells at cloud. That's us. We didn't, we didn't care about this stuff before, but now it's impacting our memories <laughs> and our youth. And we're like, keep everything the same. Do you, do you like the Bowerman tower? Yeah, I'm fine with that. You can throw that in there if you want. That's, that's, I remember when the Bowerman curve was enough. Just a <laughs> curve, and then you had him I mean, with I the watch. I don't know. And it probably will not look exactly like this, but... Um, That's a lot of... I don't know. When you look at the close-ups, the decks don't look as big. Like It doesn't look like there's that many people there, but... I mean, not many people, but I mean, there's not many rows. Mm-hmm. The people are fake. But then on like the wide shot, it looks like... Looks like a hundred thousand people are in this exactly. stadium. That's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't. I guess that's, yeah. But uh, all the, uh, I mean, at least says it all private donors and stuff like that to to pay for it. So hey, it's all night. It's all all night. Yeah. Kudos to 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 Oregon for doing that and not having taxpayers do it. Well, that's the only way it was going to get done. So I, I mean, this is yeah. But what... at least <clears throat> I mean, it happens in every other sport where taxpayers have to do it. So at least I'm happy that they're, uh, you know, footing the bill. If nothing yeah. else, it's gonna be weird if they can't host 2021 though, because right. it's under federal investigation or what have you. Let's go to email. Yeah, got, got a lot of folks writing in about this Boston Marathon. Uh, oh, but first we got a tweet from uh, from Julian. He says Kawuchi's Boston Marathon win immediately transforms him from quirky running folk hero to legendary runner status. What say you, Jason? 100%. He's he's completely accurate. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, he's always been, like, super, you know, fun. Like said, folk hero. It's yeah. awesome that he does all these marathons, and he's legitimately, like, good. Um, but, yeah, all of a sudden you win Boston on, like, the craziest thing ever. Like, yeah, he's, he's a legend, unquestionably. Let's go to... Let's go to... Let's go to Brian. Emailer from me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Jason might have to jump in here and read some of these as my voice deteriorates. Yes, uh, I can do that. <clears throat> Brian says, uh, it was, Boston was absolutely insane. First, a big shout-out to everybody that towed the line on Patriots Day. Y'all are a strong group of runners. Six Americans in the top seven, only two of them from the big four. Given the talent in the race, I expected a big American presence up front, but not in the way that it played out. Desi absolutely dominated at the end of the race. Kawichi overcame a huge deficit to beat the defending champion, and he's running London in a few days. That's actually not... I think he said a follow-up saying oh, yeah, that he, did. That he uh, mistakenly put that in there. He's running half marathon in a few days, though, in Japan. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> can you Probably with him? his medal around his neck. I hope so. Uh, can you imagine him pulling off that double? Uh, with Rupp DNFing, will we see him joining the champ in London? No. I if he's healthy, it would be great to see him chase a fast time. Pre-race, Alberto claimed that Rupp was more prepared for Boston than any other marathon. More mileage, more intensity. The same was said about Molly Huddle and Kellen Taylor. What would you guys do as an elite in their situation? It's tough. It's not your day. You're falling off the lead. At what point do you call it quits? Or do you tough it out no matter what? Where's the line? In non-Boston news, Sidney McLaughlin kept things rolling, but this time stepping down in distance. Sydney, chill out. That is Brian. Email it for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. And you're right. He scratched the, the London Marathon comment from his email, but he is running a half marathon. 
as I mentioned. So what do you think? When would you, uh, when would you call it a day or what would you do if you were in the elite situation? <sighs> yeah, that's such a brutal, and, and I, you know, I don't even doubt that Rupp and Huddle and Taylor and whoever else like was in the like perfect marathon shape and in the right day, like could have, you know, reached new heights kind of thing. Like that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but then you can't obviously prepare for everything. Uh, as far as when to, what to do in that situation. God, I mean, I like to say like, Oh, I would never drop out of a race. Um, but I've also never had like my livelihood tied to <laughs> like running in any way. Uh, and you know, if you're, you know, thinking forward, I mean, I guess hey, what, what mile did, did like Rupp drop out at? 30k was his last split i think so So that would yeah yeah somewhere in that range i mean at that point like (laughs) you run 30k in that weather to me i mean to me they're basically like you just ran the marathon like you you have to do the same kind of recovery and and whatnot that you did if you fully you know completed the race in 210 Mm -hmm. right yeah linden said after and this is small sample size but she said the next day she felt she thought she feel, might feel better because the pace was slower but she felt just she felt like a typical marathon and i know flanagan said she felt worse than a typical marathon right but i mean <laughs> considering the fact that as i mentioned before you want to get your warm clothes on it might be smarter just for reservation to run through but right i don't i don't begrudge anybody who's doing this for a living to make a business decision yeah, if you're point. out of the race, I mean, you know, yeah, if you want to finish, you know, huddle, finish, whatever, 16, 17, 18, whatever it is, kudos to her for finishing. I certainly won't judge anyone for that either. But also, that you know, difference between that and DNF, like whatever, yeah, you know, works for you is fine. Well, and sometimes it's a business decision to stay in too, right? Because if that's your calling card, I mean, if you're, yeah. cons- you know, if you're, if you're known for finishing races and always, um, Trying to make the best of it, because also it was it was so disoriented, and we heard this from Flanagan afterwards, who said she even thought at some point she was winning because the cheering. A lot of them probably were so out of it; they had no idea what place they were in. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they thought they were in twentieth when they really were in fifth, or thought they were in, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. You know, thought they were in yeah in fifth and when, when they actually were in twentieth. So maybe they didn't know, and if they did know, they would have been able to make a better decision. It was just weird all around. Um, Thank you to Brian. Let's go to Scooter uh, in Kansas. Uh, and then Jason will take over after this, I think. And sure. I'm just going to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I'll just, I'll just take a water break after this one. How about that? Or a cough drop break. He says, allow me to reintroduce myself. Consider this email to be Meb-esque, not competitive, having already won my two majors, the 2015 and 2016 House of Run Email of the Year Awards, but rather an amateur email for the charity of good fun and thought experiment. In Monday's Boston Marathon, Jonathan Galt timed Shalane Flanagan. This notable bathroom break at just under 14 seconds from door open to door reopen. An impressive, uh, I guess, an impressive feat, I think he was trying to say, regardless of the content of the visit. But my question is this. What number was the content of the visit? While a 13-second stop would typically, typically lead me to guess a lower-numbered visit, for an ultra-competitive person in an extremely important race wearing dark bottoms on a very rainy day, it's hard for me to believe that she would give in give time to stop to perform the lower number, beg me to believe that the stop would have to be a high number nature, in which case, even without the usual social convention of door locking and use of paper products, it's incredibly impressive to accomplish in such a small amount of time. However, members of a certain 
scholastic team involving running of a female nature may or may not have suggested an alternative explanation to me when the topic was being discussed at a practice of said hypothetical team, with the explanation being of nature regarding the cyclical nature of a certain gender of people and the disposing and changing of devices aiding in the process. Nonetheless, what say you have to run? What did Shalane Flanagan accomplish? In those 13.8 seconds in the porta potty, that it, la, sorry, La Cisa de Cisa. <laughs> he, should, he should say La Cisa de Cisa next week. That's what he normally says, right? Yeah, that's true. He just put La Cisa de Cisa, comma, scooter it's getting in Kansas. Lazy. Yeah, come on, man. Uh, and La Cisa de Cisa was one of the DNFs. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we didn't ask specifically. I mean, she said she was being ladylike when I asked her afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she had a pee. I think that's what yeah. it was. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really tough to. Tough to know, obviously, or impossible to know. Obviously, um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's a, it's a fair it's a fair question um, that yeah we really just do not have an answer to. Well, and you wonder too, like, would she, if Lyndon hadn't offered, would she have to help her get back? Like, would she have stopped too? Right, There's all sorts of questions that that go into this. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what the answer is to that. But they, yeah, it was quick. She was she was in and out. I mean, 13 seconds is that's. Great, yeah, that's crazy fast. Regardless of the situation, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. And I thought like the pack would like slow, like because it was going so slow, she'd be able to catch up. But it almost seemed like they sped up at that point to like try to run away from her. Like they sensed that she should get out. Like that, that was their chance to to get out. All right, uh, let's go. Up, let's see. Let's go up next here. Actually, we we got emails from uh, from brothers here. It looks like, which is. That's a first. A first, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll go with the, I don't know if it's older or younger brother, but the uh, Brian Wilson, not the Beach Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston. Well, naturally, Boston went exactly how no one predicted it would go. <laughs> Although, as soon as the weather forecast started going downhill, I think we should have seen the wind from Kauchi coming. I'm very sad that Flanagan wasn't able to get the not-so-easy New York-Boston double, and I, I myself wasn't able to muster the PR I was looking for. I blame the weather, though. And you should blame the weather, Brian. Uh, but there were plenty of silver linings on this particularly cloudy day. One, it's awesome that Desiree Linden was able to take the gold for the American women and that seven of the top 10 women uh, were American. It was even enough to get people talking about the race around my office. And it's always nice to see uh, running catch the attention of the average folk. Mm-hmm. Two, the fact that Shalane stopped to use the bathroom and Desiree waited for her just makes me, makes me so happy for some reason. <laughs> Uh, three, it's always nice to see uh, an apparently average person come out of nowhere and do something incredible. What do you think the odds are that Sarah Sell- Sellers' running career goes anywhere? Uh, what do you think of that? Do, do we expect to hear more from Sarah Sellers? It's too early to say. I mean, she's only 26. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, that's that's young for a marathoner. Definitely. So, And look, I mean, you look at you know the early stages of Des Linden's career, I don't think anybody would have said, oh, yeah, that's like a future Boston Marathon champion. Or that's someone who's going to be at the top of American women's marathoning for 10 years. Right. <laughs> you know, or like, I, I mean, I guess, even if you just look at the Boston um, times, right? Like for, you said, mentioned before, right? 20, uh, 2011 was when she almost won and then yeah. she won in 2018 but i mean she's made two olympic teams so probably too soon to tell is she i mean she doesn't have an olympic trials qualifier right so that that would be the the first step i mean i don't i don't think she's uh, a favorite for the olympic team or to even make the olympic team for this time around but you know maybe for in in the future i mean so linden's 34 right yeah and 
what I say Sellers was 26? 26, 27, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in 2010, when Lyndon, like, so when Lyndon was her age, I mean, she was still, she ran 226 in Chicago that year, which I think was her breakthrough. She got second. Uh, the year before that, she made the world championship team. But, like, in 2008, she was 13th in the Olympic trials and ran 237. She won. She was fifth in Chicago that year, 231. Um, Boston, I'm guessing this is her first Boston. So in 2007, uh, Lyndon ran 244.56 in Boston. Which is what Sellers just ran in the worst weather. I mean, I obviously we don't know. I don't know if there's a time calculator for what Boston just was. Um, but, uh, you said take off 10 minutes, take off 10 minutes, which I, I kind of feel okay with. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, if she ran, you know, basically two forty-five, uh, I certainly think she could be a mid two thirties at, at worst case scenario. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously she has to, you know, jump at least into the, the two twenties and, and ideally mid, mid two twenties that mm-hmm. remains to be seen. But I, you know, I, I expect her to, at the very least, get into that 230 range, and then it'll just be a matter if she can, you know, kind of keep improving from there. Yeah, I mean, this looks like that that first marathon looked like she was maybe two years out of college, so not totally different, and she ran 244. I mean, this is really the beginning of her career. Yes. You know, the, the curve for sellers, so you treat it like anybody else. I mean, she's not, she's not like the, like there are other women who are that age who, you know, are running five thousands and ten thousands right now. Who you'd project at having a, a better career, but I, I think it's just too early to say. Yeah, um, no, it'll be something we keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Brian continues number four. Even though I didn't PR, I can still tell everyone that I beat Galen Rupp. <laughs> you absolutely did, Brian. Congratulations. Uh, five. Just knowing that I was in the same city as Kevin Sully gave me chills. Wait, no, that was the twenty mile per hour headwind. <laughs> And happy running. That's from Brian Wilson, not the Beach Boy. Uh, he had something at the end here. It says we don't have to read it, but I want to, so I'm going mm-hmm. to. Uh, he uh, made a YouTube series over the past 10 weeks about training uh, his training in Berkeley and some insights in the running lifestyle with the finale being Boston Marathon Weekend. Uh, so if you can search Brian Wilson, that's B-R-Y-A-N Wilson, The Running Life on YouTube, uh, yeah, you should check it out. I have not checked it out yet, but I will. I will definitely give this a look. Brian did not reach out to me at all when he was in Boston. I just want uh, to make that clear. <laughs> so he knows you. I mean, you were working, you know, busy. Uh, I just would have got him sick. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't want to. He didn't want to get get his health uh, in in trouble there. All right. Should we go to the other brother? I, I think we have to. Yeah. I think we'll go to go, go to Jay Wilson. Also not a Beach Boy, uh, okay. according to Jay. Wait, Jay Williams. Jay Wilson. Former Former Duke. <laughs> oh, yes. Who played like five games for the Bulls before. Mm-hmm. He got hurt. Yes. Um, sad. But uh, no, this is yeah, this is Jay Wilson. So, uh, hey, guys. I just recently started listening to House of Run at the recommendation from my brother, Brian. Not the Beach Boy. And I never would have anticipated being forced to lodge a complaint this early in the listening experience. <laughs> I like went Jay to already. I, I do, too. I went to watch Brian run at Boston this past weekend, and I was excited to listen to the Boston preview during my flight. All was well until Jason went to make his picks for top five for the women's race. He began by saying he had been riding the Molly Huddle hype, hype train. Um, you were high train, about a hype train. Uh, I, too, was pulling for Huddle to win, but I was appalled that Jason did not correctly identify rooting for her as raw, riding the Huddle shuttle. <laughs> Although I, continue, I, I intend to continue listening, Jason is on thin ice. <laughs> and that's from Jay Wilson. Uh, 
Yeah, I got nothing. I apologize sincerely. I, well, it won't happen again. The Molly Huddle hype train, I think, was coined by by Brian, the email from me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania, right? So you oh. you, you were just kind of getting on that train as well. That's true, but I still feel like I'm sad that one of us didn't think of the Huddle Shuttle. Oh, sure, and, yeah, yeah. And from 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 this this point on, without question, it's going to be the Huddle Shuttle. Absolutely. Uh, welcome and to the show, Jay. Yeah. And great job, Brian, for for spreading the word. Um. Also, this reminds me that I promised Harrison a shirt a while ago for recruiting a listener to the show. So, Harrison, I haven't forgotten about you. It's on my list. I will get to it. Perfect. You want me to keep going, or are you you feeling up to? Uh, to read uh, you can. You can. I think you're doing a great job. Actually, you're bringing something that I can't bring to these emails. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is yet, but I can just sort of an indescribable aura mm. presence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll see. We'll go to uh, who should I go to here? Um, Either I, I mean any any of them. There's like uh, there's four left. I think four. Aaron's and Kyle's don't have to do with Boston, and then mm. the other two. The other two. Well, there's only one. Maria has to do with Boston, and the other three I don't think have to do with Boston. Let's let's go with Maria four. then. Mm-hmm. Boston plus Desi's subject line. Hi guys. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. I guess all things are relative, so let's say for a couple of years. Uh, thank you, and please give up the good work. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I felt compelled to write in after watching the Boston Marathon. I had been anticipating this event, especially with such a great group of American women competing. I therefore tuned into the NBC Sports app on my phone and tried to inconspicuously watch the race while pretending to work. <laughs> Smart move. Uh, side note, does anyone else think that wearing some of these, those huge w- windbreakers was more of a detriment than help to the runners today? Ooh. I mean, some of them literally looked like parachutes, for example, the rain ponchos, and could not have uh, made it any easier to run into the wind. However, I have never run a marathon, let alone in that miserable of weather, so who am I to judge? That's, this is a good point. So side note there. Why did Des Linden's jacket stay down and Jeffrey Karui look like he was sailing in the ocean? Like he was <laughs> he in a like the Cuddy Sark, yeah. Yeah, he looked like a Cuddy Sark or he looked like he was in a like a what are those things like those uh, America's Cup like in San oh, Francisco. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the material were made of and I know Jason doesn't want to get too much into jacket takes here <laughs> because we just broke down 4% shoes jacket, for, 4% jacket. It was strange. It was strange. So, yeah, I I agree, Maria. It's a good point. I mean, I, th- I guess I, part of the key, I think, if you got the windbreaker on with you know a lot of wind, it would be good. I mean, it needs to be tight, right? I mean, it's if you're going, if it's big on you, and obviously runners are, especially these runners are very very skinny people, yeah. but you need to make sure that thing is like basically fitted to your body. That way, you're not getting that huge drag. I think. I kind of got the feeling, and this is hard to believe, but I kind of got the feeling that a lot of them weren't prepared for the like the weather to be like they knew it would be that bad. Yeah. But I don't know if they thought it would be that bad. And the race organizers gave them two numbers. So that way they could wear one on the outside mm. and then take off the jacket and ditch the jacket. And then there would still be another one identifying them, which I don't even know why the elites really need numbers. Really? Right. But okay. Uh, Jerseys with the name and number on the back. Come on. How have we not done this yet? But I was surprised that, yeah, good point. I was surprised like more of them didn't come out with like tights or other warming devices. I mean, Rupp came out with the mask and the neck thing. Like, yeah. I mean, the joke we made in the meter room was he looked like Bane, but um, Rupp was definitely not born in the dock. Uh, 
I just thought there would be more, like, I mean, I say this, and Yuki wore a singlet and arm warmers. That <laughs> right. But, but, I mean, there's other people who I don't think obviously didn't respond that well to the cold. Uh, maybe even you double jacket at that point, right? Yeah. I, you wear, I, hey, you wear I would... one, and then when it soaks through, because really, I mean, the rain was really, really, obviously the cold was bad, but the rain was what was really, I think, dropping people's body temperature. It was like they just could not get dry. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's, ugh, it's 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 obviously so brutal. I mean, if anything, in colder weather, I would over prepare for. I mean, yeah. and I live in Las Vegas, so I, I've become such a, a wimp to cold. Um, but yeah, I would I would always wear too much because I was always like, you know what, I can take it off or put it back if I don't need it. But I always want uh, too much. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so. Here we go. She continues. Uh, the first touching moment of the race came when Desi slowed down to pull along Shalane. I had previously wondered uh, if in a field such as this, if the American woman would try to stick together and occasionally say something encouraging to each other, or if everyone is out for themselves. Uh, it was uplifting to see a display of true sportsmanship at that point. If nothing else, uh, if nothing else could happen in the race, I was already proud of the women who represented the U.S. today. Yeah, that's uh, it, certainly a, some, sometimes there is a kind of all for yourself, but uh, you know, some of these women are good friends and obviously Chelaine and Desi would fall into that category, it seems like. Um, so, but it is good to see. Yeah. I mean, they're not training partners. No. But they, like, they uh, seem to genuinely root for each other or I they're mean, really good at faking it. Well, at the Olympic trials, remember it was Craig and Flanagan working together. Yeah. Because they're you know they're actually training partners. But there was a sense of let's get an American win here that seemed genuine across mm-hmm. all of the all the women. Like they wanted to see one of them win. So. And, uh, however, I was pleasantly surprised to see Desi pull away from her competitors with several miles to go and never look back. Seeing her push through the wind and rain alone uh, for the last few miles, putting everything on the line and going all in was truly inspirational. I am not ashamed to say that I cried when she crossed the finish line and was still crying when she hugged her husband and her, and her coach. While hoping that no one walks into my office, I doubt my coworkers would have shared my enthusiasm for Debbie's career and the state of the American woman's distance running or the fact that I just spent almost three hours watching TV at work. Uh, to summarize, watching the race has really moved me, and I think the woman who won yesterday truly deserved that victory. Cheers, Maria, originally from Russia, but now from Texas. Wow. Drink. I think that's our first person that we have had listen to the show that has any Russian connections, I yeah. think. Authorized I don't know. neutral Maybe. fan listener. <laughs> Authorized neutral, neutral fan. Yeah, thank you, Maria. I... I think her last sentence there about truly deserving the victory kind of went back to what you said. It's like, yeah, it was made possible by the weather, but the weather was what made it, like, like made her a worthy champion too. On, yeah, she like earned sides. every bit of it. Like, regardless of how it played out, like you could say, hey, it was because of that. Well, fine, but then she had to pay a bigger price than most people have to pay to in order to to win the marathon. Well said. Well said. Thank you for the for the email, Maria. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we got three left here. Um, I guess we'll go with, uh, let's go with Richard. Richard, the one who encouraged you to vote. Oh, that's well, right. He didn't, yes. he didn't, he, he didn't he, well, encourage you to no, vote. No, he just, he, he just brought it to the attention and yeah. yeah. Um, so here we go. Which, the by tri- the way, have you registered yet? He sent you the registration information. I have not registered yet. I will, I will okay. uh, but just because, Yeah. I haven't yet, but I will. I promise. Richard Jason is at jhalpin23 <laughs> on uh, on Twitter. That's if you true. want more like immediate responses, when he's not yelling at baseball columnists, that's a good point. He'll respond to you. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, this is the triangle. The triangle is dead. Oh, I like this. Line. Hey, boys. With the Boston Marathon in less than a day, I thought it would be the perfect time to send you an email about basketball. Now, just in case you're worried, I am not mistaking this for America's second favorite podcast about running, The Low Post. <laughs> uh, in the last episode, Kevin mentioned that the uh, Bowerman Track Club, coached by Midwestern recluse Jerry Schumacher, generally had all the best female distance runners in American track. So naturally, I started thinking about how the Chicago Bulls, 91-93 to 93 and 96-98, to 98, and the Lakers, a pox on their house, now and forever, 2000-2002, <laughs> 2009 and 2010, uh, my question for you is, is the Bowerman Track Club the best because they have all the best runners, or does the coach have some sort of special sauce? Um, Jackson, the triangle, presenting oneself as Zen, philosopher king, Schumacher, by all accounts, uh, long stories, the, har- the hardest workouts, and high mileage. Or would these women thrive in other settings? Um, Kate Grace, for instance. It's a good question. Uh, I, where, where do you yeah, fall on this? I... I mean, it's both. I mean, it's hard to draw the line, right? I mean, it's not. It's not like he's. He's a good coach by by any account. You, yes. you, know, you get, But are the women talented, and would they succeed on their own? You'd sure. have to think so. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're all they're all good runners, but you also need different. Well, a lot of people need different runners at different stages in their careers, and different coaches are better at different things. And he's really good at taking that group to the next level. But if you just look at I mean, Flanagan certainly has had results that bear out his success as a coach. Evan Jager as mm-hmm. well. When you have a group that big, you're not going to get everybody always running PRs and improving all the time. But it's – and you also the, the group effect too, right? I mean, that helps probably recruit people over there because they want to run with other really fast people. Uh, but, I mean, Emily Enfeld, I think, another example – someone who's taken a, a big step forward. So, yeah, yeah, I think you have to certainly give credit. I mean, it's, I mean, Hey, we love the NBA. It's, it's obviously tough because the NBA, you have to have basketball. You have to get everyone to kind of buy. I mean, there's teamwork. You're literally, yeah. everyone's buying in to the same goal. We're obviously running is more individual, <clears throat> even though you have a team together. But yeah, I think, I mean, you, you have to give both credit clearly. Um, both Phil Jackson and Jerry Schumacher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, does Phil do it without Michael or you know Kobe and Jack? Yeah, it's almost certainly no. Not. But like, would so and like, if a, a lesser coach was there, would they have managed to screw it up? Possibly. Right. Yeah, like Popovich and the Spurs. Like that's even. Oh, that's even more. Of yeah, a, yeah. Especially the the last incarnation of their championship team. Um, yeah, good question though. But I think he should get us more basketball specific. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Go, let's drill down even further here. What's he hmm. say next? Let's see. Secondly, and also hypothetically, which training groups are analogous to uh, any NBA franchise, past or current? Uh, some suggested topics: Who's pop? Which group is the Spurs? Uh, who can take the random mix of talent and make them world beaters? Who constantly bets on the wrong prospects like my beloved and beleaguered Kings? Who does Drake root for? <laughs> Who can't make it out of the first round, etc.? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, so Drake roots because he's Canadian. Mm-hmm. He obviously roots for... Well, first of all, because he's Drake, he cheers for whoever is winning. Yep. But, I mean, this past week, he's cheering for Krista Duchene, right? I mean, third that's true. place. Yeah, third place. that's true. He's he's big on that. He loves Andre DeGrasse. Yes. For sure. Um uh, 
But what's training groups? I mean, I think he would like Bowerman Track Club because there's a heavy presence of uh, Canadians on that team. You got mm. a couple Canadians on that team. And you also have a lot of winning on that team. And that's what that's what Drake likes. He's got um, like a retro Ben Johnson jersey that he's still sporting. He doesn't care what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sits in the front, the front row at all the meets and waves his hands. Um, okay, so who who is Pop? See, I'd go outside the training groups here, and I would say Mark Wetmore of Colorado is Pop. Ooh, okay. That's that's who I would pick. I don't know if that is in the rules. Um, what what group is the Spurs? I mean, man, so he the, says. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was trying to think like, like like the relay team. Like, I guess Great Britain relay teams last year did randomly. Well, he's talking about training groups. He's talking about like, yeah, I know that's NOP. Yeah, world class athlete Hanson Brooks, New Balance Boston. Um, but yeah, you, you can do that. Just because I was trying to think, like, hey, no one had them as the most talented group in yeah. almost any, and they they did extremely well across the board in all of the in all the relays. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, usually they screw up though. They do. So this, I mean, it was just uh, they were yeah they were more they were more like the ragtag group of you know the Disney kids movie. Uh, yeah, who, who succeeded because they would fit into the who can't make it out of the first round too. Mm. Um, who constantly bets on the wrong prospects like my beloved and beleaguered <laughs> Kings. I don't know. It's tough because it's, it's when you're signing a runner, you already kind of know what you're getting because the PRs don't really lie that much unless you set your PR in Boston in 2018, in which case Jason says you can take 10 minutes off your time. 10 minutes. <laughs> It's a perfect science. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think I think Oregon Project and and Salazar. I mean, always people you know compare them to the Yankees or the or the you know Patriots or something like that. I don't know if there's an NBA comparison because there's just not there's not like that. I I mean the Warriors because they're so good, but the Warriors I think a little bit different. There's not like that. You know, like the establishment sort of. Feel right, to them. they're kind of up and coming. That's yeah. Um, it's more Lakers, even though Lakers aren't good now, but like more what the Lakers have been over there. Yeah, well, and all the attention of, of like the Lakers and the Knicks for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah who's the Who's the Knicks that just like t- always thinks they're great, but just never do anything? Sorry, Knicks fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, that got really personal. Just the Knicks are like, I mean, one of my joys in the NBA because the Bulls are so awful is that the Knicks are just always a disappointment. Well, and one of the things, and I, I've been talking to you a little bit over the past year about how like I'm kind of softening on LeBron James. I'm not, I'm not a LeBron James fan mm. by any means. Like as a basketball player, I'm not a fan. I mean, as a human being, I think he's, he's a good person. Uh, and I like a lot of the work he's doing. Actually, I like all the way I'm saying a lot of the work he's doing. Like, no, I don't think he should have given that much to charity. I like the work he's doing. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I really liked this year was he just seemed like he was trolling the Knicks. Like when he said he's the king of New York. Right. Just to, like that old Kevin would have been like, oh, he's so arrogant. Da, da, da. But like new Kevin really liked that. Because then what's his name? Who's on the Knicks? Is it Cantor? Cantor's on the Knicks now, right? Yeah. And that other dude got all chesty and like tried to fight him and like foul him hard. And I just want to be like, guys, you're the Knicks. Like, stop. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, cause he said something like, oh, I would have picked somebody higher 
like then then the Knicks guy, right? So the Knicks guy felt disrespected. Like when LeBron was just like giving an honest answer. Right. All this to say I don't really know who the Knicks are <laughs> when we talk about trading groups. <laughs> they, they would be out of business already. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That what what defunct group of is yeah. is gone and Yeah. It's it, it it's a group that no longer exists. The Knicks got okay. busted for passing urine through walls. Um <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's Yeah, who's the who's the the group that uh, cheats but still is behind I don't know right can't catch up all right we got two more here oh yeah here's this last thing uh, hopefully Ooh. all the time spent preceding emails uh, was discussing American women winning Boston if there were dual American winners hopefully former duck and Sacramento area resident Shadrach Biwat wears the wreath oh uh, close uh, take care and that's Richard I never I never knew he uh, wait is he a former Sacramento resident or is he living in Sacramento now I don't know Good question. Not know. Richard Shadrich. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I place, really though. don't know about about Richard. <laughs> no, he lives in Sacramento. He's yeah. told us before. He's uh, a he's a Kings fan. There's no reason you'd be a Kings fan out of Sacramento. It's a very good point, unless you just loved Mike Bibby, like in the early two thousands. Yeah, Peja Stoyakovich. Oof, I did like Peja. Chris, God, remember that game seven against the Lakers oh, completely gag like all he had to do was hit like one of those wide open threes well it definitely wasn't Tim Donaghy ruining that where they well Lakers shot he 24 ruined free throws in the he ruined game quarter. six right I mean it should have been over in six yeah because they called Bibby for like a, a blocking foul and like Kobe broke his nose that's <laughs> yeah. always one of my favorite NBA calls but no but seven was really I mean Peja just completely choked anyway continue sorry no problem. Uh, so let's see. We got Kyle and Aaron left, right? Yep. Okay. So here's Kyle. Uh, this is all this talk of high school meet uh, high school meet scheduling reminded me of how the boys frosh soft 1600 meter <laughs> started our meets, even though all the other 1600s were after the four by ones. That's terrible. I like that it gave me a bit of extra time before the 800 to recover from throwing up on the finish line, as I did after most 1600s. I did that mm-hmm. quite a bit, too. Uh, it also made my infrequent 800, 1600, 3200 triples slightly easier. Uh, okay. Did some of those, too. Uh, however, having the Frost Off 1600 first was also the source of several fights with the head track coach who only cared about his sprinters. He insisted that the entire track team, girls and boys, warm up together by first slowly trotting 800 meters in double file before stretching. I argued repeatedly that it was nonsensical to have all of us warm up together regardless of when our events happened and that the distance runners didn't have the same warm-up requirements as the throwers or the jumpers. This didn't get us very far, and I found myself on the receiving end of several lectures because I either ran my laps too quickly for the coach's taste or tried to skip the group stretching time in order to do a couple extra laps. Kyle sounds a lot like us in high school. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is dangerous. <laughs> I think I would have uh, would have quit fighting so hard had it not been such a dumb idea, or if he'd stopped mocking students who weren't very good at their events. I'm pretty sure that my ongoing aversion to warm-ups and stretching stem from arguing with that coach so much. That's Kyle from California. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, sounds a lot like the arguments we would have. <laughs> we had our the, the head coach who was kind of in charge, but only, like, with making sure that, you know, the area was clean and that we all Entries yeah, were ran done. together and stuff yeah. like that. And then there was like our more direct coach who was, who was pretty <coughs> awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, we would butt heads quite a bit. Yeah. The whole jog two laps together, especially when you're not competing for like five hours. Yeah. Like, Wait, why am I, yeah, why am I waiting jog- for the two mile and he's at the beginning of the meet. This is doing me a lot of good. Yeah. Like stretching. 
like I'm like I'm supposed to be in the like the bleachers doing my homework. Uh but yeah, Frost off 1600 before makes no sense. Uh, no, at not all. at all. All right, should we close with AA Ron? I think so. Yeah, we're getting we're getting up here in 90 minute plus range. Uh Well, someone said they wanted it to be 4 hours and they were going to listen to every minute of it, so <laughs> In, be uh, careful what you wish for. In the next version of the show, that's what that's what it'll be. Just be. I could have I could have talked with Jason for four hours about this race. Just know that. And half the time we talk like forty five minutes before the pod and an hour after the pod. So you know that'll be released as a special episode. Jason um, Jason Jason has been mentioning, folks. I just want to <laughs> put this out here. Jason's been mentioning that he's going to start releasing the before and after, the 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 warm up and the cool down. Yeah, editions of the show where he just hits record once we get on, and it's way, way boring. <laughs> yeah, like you, I think only like ten people would be interested in it. But um, yeah, it's 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 in the talks, so we'll see. It gets niche, really niche. <laughs> All right, hey Aaron, finishing up house. I just ran in my first official half marathon this weekend. I've run a time trial last fall. Uh, despite the less than ideal conditions, but not Boston bad, I was very happy with my performance. Finished 21st, 119.29, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> After settling into a comfortable pace with a stiff tailwind and following some guy about 10 meters back for the first three mile, uh, mm-hmm. I thought it would make more sense to catch up and run together. After a quick, are we there yet joke, we both admitted that we were in good shape, but weren't sure what goal or pace to run, so we thought it would be good to work through, uh, to work together for a while. During miles three through six, we chatted more like two old friends, shooting the breeze on an easy run, but we're still able to keep our pace. Then in the most perfect, it's a small world story, uh, I hear some footsteps behind me and look over my shoulder and see my old high school cross country and track rival slash friend who I hadn't talked to in years. Last time we raced was the state 3200 meter in, in 2004. After spending the next mile catching up and reminiscing about the glory days, uh, we, got to tur- we got to the turn around point and begin the long trip back into the wind. The amount of talk decreased, uh, but we still would make comments between the three of us as we alternated the lead from mile 7 through 10. Around mile 10, we were through the worst of the hills, and it was all downhill. That was when the three of us stopped talking, and it was every man for themselves. We were able to gap my, we were able to gap my old rival by mile 11, but I lost contact with the 12th, by the 12th with the other guy who had a lot left in his tank. I still finished in a downhill 532 last mile. Uh, with the amount of talking we, mostly I did during the race, is that weird? Does anyone else, uh, does anyone else, does uh, talking that, mu- Ugh, excuse me, does talking that much mean I could run faster? If it was a uh, 5K no. and an athlete of mine was talking, I, I'd know I'd know they could go faster, but I have a lot less experience with this distance. That's Aaron. P.S. They were handing out free beer after the race and at, and at the five mile mark during the race. <laughs> wow. Uh, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of someone uh, chugging vodka at mile twenty-one ugh. of the Boston Marathon. That's. I guess you're trying. To, you're just so cold. You don't even care. But that sounds horrendous. Like I would rather chug a beer than do vodka. Um, as far as talking during the, I, I, th- I mean, I think that can help All while the time. you're in the, especially yeah, like in the early stages of a very long race. Um, I did it during the two mile in high school, in the yeah. first lap. That was my way to calm down. I would get so nervous it would be counterproductive. So I'd find somebody in the race. And I also wanted to make sure I didn't, I wanted to go out, you know, slow. Yeah. Which I was, I was, I was still learning the whole concept of like <clears throat> pacing yourself. And I found the easiest way to do that. I just, I kind of make uh chit chat. Sometimes people would talk back. Sometimes they wouldn't, but, uh, I didn't do that in every race, but it was like a tactic I did just to kind of stay loose and remember to like relax. 
But longer, I mean, you know who talked over the weekend in a race or over this last week? Des Linden. Yeah. She said, hey, <laughs> do you need help, Shalane? Yeah, and I think the way he kind of did it where he said, you know, we were all talking and then around mile 10, basically everyone, you know, they stopped talking. And then when you're really like, when you're, you know, in the most pain and you're really trying to push it, like, yeah, all of a sudden you're not going to chat quite as much at that point. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's all right. I, I, I have done the same thing um, in races before. I don't think talking wastes that much energy at that point. I wouldn't think. I like, wouldn't think so. I mean, yeah, maybe I mean, there's, you know, maybe people have a, I'd be curious, alternate uh, opinions on that. Or if there's been a study done on talking while, <laughs> while doing it. I don't know. I hope so. Well, I mean, if you're running, I don't know. If you're run, I the, the flip side of this, I would say, if you're running a half marathon and you're halfway through or you're eight miles in and you are running so hard you can't talk, you're probably running too fast, I would say. Mm, yeah. So it's a good point. I mean, they always use the term conversational pace. I don't think you want to go that slow, but I don't, I mean, you shouldn't be, shouldn't be out of breath at that point. Otherwise it's going to be a long last couple miles. I would think, uh, it's not an 800 people. Come on. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, yeah, I think it's fine. All right. Thanks to AA Ron, Richard, Maria, Brian, Scooter, Brian, not the beach boy and Jay, the beach boy's brother. Also, Kyle, who wrote in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we'd like to hear from people who ran in Boston. I know there was several people who ran. Uh, I'd like to hear your experiences, see how it went for you. Did you finish? If you did, awesome. If you didn't, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. Uh, I would just, I would just like to know if. Uh, if it was as bad as it felt. Yeah, like how I, I really yeah, if you if you ran it, like I want to know exactly like break it down as much as possible. Like how how brutal was it? Or was it, you know, <laughs> terrible, but you actually like were like, eh, it got decent after a certain amount of time. I doubt that's the case, but I'm 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 curious, just kinda in general, what uh yeah, how it went. Or like, hey, I finished ninth. <laughs> right? You might have. Like that's entirely possible. You might, the but the 2018 Boston Marathon. You might have finished ninth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, next week we'll be back. We'll we'll recap London, which should be exciting, and we'll get to you earlier in the week. But thanks everybody for uh, watching the race along with us, and also thanks everybody for sending uh, messages about how you wanted the emergency pod, or we're excited about the pod. <clears throat> that just gets us pumped to record. So yes, and that's my fault. I'm sorry. No, otherwise we probably would have recorded like Monday night. Yeah, no, it's all good. It, it worked out well. So, uh, you know, there's always things you can add with the benefit of a little more time and, and reflection. So happy to do it. Hope people enjoyed the race. I mean, probably the most <laughs> insane race in the history of the show, like our of ma- of the major races we've talked about. I think it's it's got to be up there. I can't think of any... Uh, other ones that can really compare so yeah it belonged in the 2017 world championships that's how weird it was well said can't top that until next week jessica ennis still riding the huddle shuttle harrison i'm gonna get you that shirt don't give up on me (laughs) keep and keep recruiting your friends to listen (coughs) and sorry for the coughing (laughs) sounds good Keep all that in.
Absolutely.